I know sometimes people say they're lying, but you can't be a lion if you don't understand the rules of the jungle. Keep your commitment never to go back to the life that you once lived. Keep your commitment to creating wealth for yourself, to taking care of yourself. We're not live or anything like that. So yeah, that's fine. If you say that needs to be edited, I will. Otherwise, usually I just let it go raw and whatever. I, I don't mm-hmm. get upset over blunders and stuff. Um, <laughs> but I guess the the initial the initial process is have you done podcasts before with anyone um yeah um nothing too serious i guess but i've done stuff like this before yeah um i guess the peak archery project is the the goal of of the project is to um highlight and in some ways i guess expose success stories but how they became a success story and the heart i don't i pride myself on not just talking about the glorious stuff um Mm -hmm. the stuff that people need to hear but they don't necessarily want to hear or they know and they refuse to admit that that you know what i mean yeah i shot you know as someone i've got a pretty vast experience in in all three disciplines olympic compound but barebow has definitely been my niche in the world yeah. That being the Barebow project, I absolutely love Barebow. Um, yeah. I love the Olympic recurve, compound so so. I love compound too, but <laughs> just for 3D. But but I will say that like Olympic recurve, as far as resources, um, and having access to information, it's just not there out there. Like mm-hmm. it, in my opinion, that's just my yeah. opinion. So you know, pull, allowing someone like you to, I, I want to know your journey. We'll talk about that. Where, how, yeah. you know, who is Crispin Duenas and where, where did you start? Mm-hmm. Um, but then let's, let's dive into like some of the key components that have gotten you to where you are in your career. Yeah. Um, and we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll go that route first, you know, and then we'll see how long or where that takes us. If we got to do a part two, we do a part two. It's no big deal. <laughs> um, okay. Do you do you wear a coach hat at all or often at all? Um, I have one athlete who I coach on a regular basis, um, but because I'm uh, I've been like pretty much a full time athlete up until a couple of years ago, and I'm still um, trying to uh, balance everything. Um, I've only taken on one. Um, I think that's about all I can handle. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, but it's it, I think it's a good project to be able to do, um, and I think it gives me a good little insight into um, like as me as an athlete and then me as a coach what can I learn from both sides and apply to the other side I think it's a really cool thing but I think if I had too many people to coach or a lot more people to coach I think that would just take it like eat out of my athlete um part but I think that like having the one-on-one is actually really really advantageous you are 100% correct because I can attest (laughs) to that yeah 100% like yeah oh 100 that's a whole other topic (laughs) and a whole other conversation yeah um we'll get into that some other time but anyways um let's just you ready to just roll it's yeah for sure i was actually just gonna open up my front door so i got a little bit more light because um okay that's fine just uh just in case but i'll be like one second yeah no problem Yeah, I think that's a little bit better sunlight coming in. Um. <laughs> yeah, it, that's good. I mean, you were fine before. It, it's not the yeah. end of the world. People, I have found, I started doing the video podcasts shortly after I started the Barebow Project. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you know John Demmer? He's yep. one of my, I, don't, I don't personally talk to him, but I obviously him. everybody knows him. He's one of my, he's probably one of my best archery friends. And I would say that, like, it's just, we just the antics and the, the, the back and forth and like seeing the emotional side or, or like the actual physical, physical, emotional side of the discussions. And mm-hmm. like, it just, it means something to people. People enjoy that. There's no yeah. question. Um, yeah. So that's why I do the videos. Some people like them. Some people don't is what it is, but anyways. All right. We're going to get going. Um, welcome back to the peak archery project. I am here. Well, this is, this is going to be a duly posted podcast. This is the, this is, this is the peak archery project and the bearable project are combining for this one because um i am here with canadian national team member uh olympian crispin duenas welcome to <laughs> all of the podcasts, i should say um i reached out to crispin because 
uh, we have, uh, your name has come up in the barebow circles as far as sh some shooting technique and stuff in my life. Um, many times we talk about your deep hook, um, just <laughs> overall alignment, stuff like that. Like you got barebow written all over you, whether you know that or not. Oh, um, all right. <laughs> um, but I feel some recruiting and, coming And along. I was like, you know, yeah, but <laughs> we also, there's, there's some parallel stuff. Like I know you're heavy in the fitness and mm -hmm. some other things. And I, I wanted to look for some ways to get some more Olympic recurve information out there. And you are on the the priority list of people that I would like to talk to. So oh, thank you. Uh, absolutely, man. So, sir, where let's, let's just get into the kind of the beginning of where did Crispin Duenas come from? How did you find, come to find archery and, and what does that journey, what has that journey look like? Um, so I came into archery by complete fluke. It was a complete accident. Um, I just happened to mention to mention archery to my grade eight uh, teacher and he just so happened to be a member of an archery club. And so he just like pulled open a drawer in his desk and he was like, here, try the archers of Caledon. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, that's pretty cool. So uh, me being the uh, what are you, 13 year old or whatever you are in grade eight, uh, asked my parents if we could go out and look at the archers of Caledon. And uh, they had these Saturday morning lessons and that's where I started. And um, I actually started as a compounder. Um, and I, cause I think compound was just an easier bow to get into. Um, and obviously as a teenage boy, you're like, oh my God, that bow looks so cool. Um, so I, uh, I had a, uh, this magnesium risered Hoyt, uh, compound from back in like 1999 or, or whatnot. It was probably a mid nineties bow, uh, heavy as, as who knows, but, uh, who care? I didn't even care. It was a bow. It was great. Um, and I shot it and I shot it and I actually, um, I shot something called the Ontario summer games which is my, my province's like summer games and it's a multi-sport event and everything, but you have to be under the age of 21, I think, to compete or under the age of 18. I don't remember, but uh, I competed in that, got silver there. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. I love this multi-sport thing. I love like seeing other athletes here, other disciplines and everything. And like, is there a bigger version of this? Is there a, a higher level? And one person's like, yeah, the Olympics. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, cool. Oh, wow. I want to try, I want to try for that. And then and he was like, Oh, but you're holding the wrong bow. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, they don't have compound in the Olympics. Uh, well, well, as of yet, we'll see. Um, but at the time, this is back in 2000. Um, that's when my, uh, Olympic, um, uh, flame got lit. Right. I was like, Oh my God, I want to do this at the biggest level possible. And so um, I told my parents I had the wrong bow <laughs> and uh, said, I need to, I need to get a, an Olympic recurve. Um, and so they said, well, let's not drop your compound stuff just yet, because that's what you know. And that's what you were doing. Okay. With let's, let's try to get like a really beginner recurve for you and, uh, and you can shoot your compound as well. So um, I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's good. Um, and so um, back then I actually had no coach. I just, uh, I had come out of the, the lessons at, at the local club uh, was just doing everything myself. Uh, YouTube wasn't a thing back then. So I was mm -hmm. just trying to uh, see who the, the the big guys were on the field and just try to like mimic what they were doing and ask around and stuff like that. I was probably the annoying kid that everybody was like, oh, he's here again. But um, I got a, I was able to get an Olympic recurve, thankfully, uh, from my parents. And uh, we used to shoot the, uh, the 1440 round, the feeder round. Yeah. Um, and we used to do a double feeder every weekend at the same club. Yeah. And so um, I would actually shoot the FIDA with my compound. And then once the compound was done, um, I would, uh, like after we finished off with 30, scores were tabulated and uh, handed in after 30 meters was done, I would crack out my Olympic recurve and start shooting that just at 18 meters just to, um, I think I was, I was there at the club. I was, I was present, let's go shoot, right? And so uh, I was shooting. And then at that time, this, uh, this strange old lady came up and started looking at me and looking at different angles on me and everything and she called a friend over and she said something to that friend and they they looked and they're like mm -hmm, yeah like and they started nodding and i was like this is really strange i've never had this happen <laughs> to me before and um she came up to me and she was like hey um what's your name and i said oh my name's crispin she's like oh okay who's your coach and i said i don't have one um and she said well can i coach you <laughs> and uh, like i was like hey like if somebody's given like advice and stuff like why not right so um she was like okay uh, let's uh let's get together and I'd, I'd like to work on your on your form because you've got some really good alignment 
and we like I uh, I think we can work on that and we can make that work really really well but I'm going to be away for the next couple of weeks um out in uh, Sydney Australia but I'll when I get back I'll, I'll give you a, a shout and then she handed me her card and it said the Olympic coach on it Joe oh, wow. and I was like oh my gosh like talk about luck yet again so um she had found me like a week or two um before she left for Sydney so yeah complete wow complete luck in my in my uh the beginnings of my archery and uh since she had so many connections and everything she knew how to uh train somebody to get to the olympics um instill in them uh the the work ethic that it takes to be um like to get to where i am now and mm -hmm. so yeah that's how it all kind of started so I guess let's, and that's a very familiar journey for a lot of youth archers, but the percentage of the ones that make it to the Olympics is very small. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and while this is unscripted, um, I'm curious what the relationship is to those numbers. Like what is the thing that's holding so many archers back? It's not the volume of people because Olympic recurve in the United States is definitely a, a smaller number of shooters than it yeah. is in many other countries and but the united states you know we're extremists we got the like, barebows growing like wildfire <laughs> compound is huge and if compound does sink its teeth into 2028 olympics mm -hmm. that's going to be huge but yeah. what what's what do you think or what are some things that you've seen maybe is the better way to frame the question what is something that's holding people back is it just access to information access to people I don't, yeah, what do you that's think? that's a really good question. Um, I think one thing that's holding a lot of people back is the, um, and and like I'm I'm trying not to stereotype at all. I'm just sure. talking from my experience. Um, the main question that I get asked on a lot of um, whenever I go down to the states, for example, is what form are you shooting? And <laughs> I'm like, my form. <laughs> yeah. And they yeah. they say, well, you're not doing the you're not doing the this method you're not doing that method you're just yeah. what method is this and I was like it's it's my own um it's something that I've developed over my gosh 23 years of shooting now mm -hmm. um to amount to what I have as my shot right now so I think a, a limiting factor is a lot of people try to fit themselves into this puzzle piece of what form should be I love um, like I need to shoot this type of form in order to be successful. And then if it doesn't work, I'm going to keep on trying until I get it until I, I fit into this like mold of what that form should be. Granted, a lot of people do fit into those molds. There's some people who just don't. Um, it's, it's all biomechanics. Um, like my, my radius and ulna are not going to be the exact same length as somebody else who's shooting on the line next to me and that's going to contribute to like your where your elbow position is sure. uh, once you're at full draw so um i think the thing that made me a little bit more successful a lot quicker is i i was like just a sponge i wanted to take in as much information as possible um and then figure out what did work for me and what didn't work for me and uh, make sure i was doing it safely as well um, because in, uh, like in the 23 years that I've been shooting, I've like knock on wood, never had any injuries from archery. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's been uh, a big contributor to my, to my success and my longevity in the sport as well. It was just trying to get as much information as possible, parse through everything, disregard anything that, um, does not make sense to me or just doesn't work and, mm -hmm. um, work on the things that do make sense. And that, uh, I, like I agree with so um, I think that's one thing that's holding people back um, another thing is um, like just knowledge of of recurve in itself like how to properly tune a bow how to um, properly set up a bow how to like the different ways of gripping the string you were talking about deep hook before and there's so many different schools of thought on on the hooking of the string and again it's I'm not I'm not saying that everybody should have a deep hook but I think everybody should at least try it um, but uh, like, I love it, man. I love it. You, you are <laughs> preaching to the choir, but that's a, that's the bare bow coach and me talking. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that some other time. Or maybe at the end. Um, we could do a part two. I don't mind at all. What's that? We could do a part two. I, I'm, uh, I'm we, okay we may have to, we may have to, I can already, I can see it already. Um, no, I, I think, I, I'm, I think you hit a lot of extremely, um, obvious glaring points that not everyone sees and olympic recurve is definitely 
a fly it as far as archery goes it's crazy that it's our olympic sport it's our discipline in the olympics but it flies under the radar of popularity very much so commercially yeah. and you know 3d archery in in america is huge um mm -hmm. Even just general indoor archery is so much more popular than outdoor target and field and stuff yeah. in, in America. And Olympic recurve, just we don't see the volume of shooters at 3D shoot shooting Olympic recurve. We don't see them at field shoots even. Yeah. Um, and I and I think part of it, and I'm I don't want to I don't want to say it's anyone's fault per se, but the access to information to be really good at Olympic recurve and promoting the notion of going. Uh, the opportunity to represent your country to go shoot in a specific discipline has not just it wasn't there i got mm -hmm. i got into in america we have joad programs junior yeah. olympic development programs yeah. and i started with compound at well i started with a recurve at like two it's a little fiberglass recurve <laughs> but yeah. By I would say, but eventually went to a compound, just shooting local paper animal things, and then by by nine or ten years old, I had my first. Um, it was a Hoyt Polaris. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> Wood three piece bow. Yeah, I had my first Olympic recurve setup shooting for. Do you? I don't know if you remember Melanie Skillman from. She was on the women's team in America back in '88 in Korea. No. Um, no. I know we are. She's she was. Her dad was my coach. And, okay. Yeah. Um. You know that's how I found Olympic recurve and became come to love and appreciate that that type of of archery. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. I it just it wasn't it wasn't well known. I wouldn't have known about it if we didn't go look for an archery program. That's mm -hmm. how I found it. Yeah. Um. You know. But I, I I do wish though in some ways and maybe in some ways the compound thing if that does go through officially maybe that will actually help olympic recurve in in some ways on the back end i don't know i, I just <laughs> just shooting it to hip a little bit on 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 that topic that's a whole other topic for who knows a pay a panel of people the whole compound thing but yeah um shout out to bow junkie media because they're doing all kinds of coverage with that right now and i i, mm -hmm. I, I will give greg pool credit there he's really pushing the compound side but that's that's his realm that's where he lives um yeah so that's cool though. Um, let moving moving forward in, in the conversation and just kind of talking about where did Crisp and Duenas come from and what age were you when like you knew the Olympics was that's that's the thing that you were going after. Yeah, Thirteen, <laughs> and in my first year of shooting, I was like, I want to get to the Olympics, and so uh, that was my uh, my like the thing at the end of the tunnel that I had to had to get to right. So yeah, um, it was always kind of a. Uh, a dream of mine from the start um yeah. and then but like figuring out what the heck i had to do to get there was also just a feet and a half just because well, you're, like, you're already this that's the segue so you're already <laughs> going down that path so let's talk yeah. about that because very few 13 year olds myself included shooting olympic recurve at 13 yeah understood or was mature enough to handle uh, might be self-reflecting here um yeah the dedication and what sacrifices need to be made to make to, for that journey. Yeah. Let's talk about that for you. For me, um, I think it would be very different than 13 year olds of this day. I will put that out as a big asterisk because I, every single kid has one of these things in their pocket. Mm. Now that is yeah. a super big distraction. Right. And me as a high school teacher, I know that firsthand, but um, back then uh, we didn't have that distraction. Um, I had, I had to, f I, I found out that like, you don't just shoot arrows and start to get good at it without uh, a whole team of people behind you and a whole plethora of other things that you have to do outside of archery. Um, so I was actually really lucky to be able to attend a, uh, an athletic high school. Um, it's a high school that had a, uh, it's, it's called Birchmount Park, uh, Collegiate Institute. And they had the BEEP program, which was Birchmount's exceptional athletic program. And you had to be accepted oh, there wow. as an athlete. Um, and so on a whim, like I, I had tried getting in there as an archer. Um, I had swimming and karate actually as other sports that I was doing at the time as well. So I was I was already an athletic type kid. Yeah. Um, but uh, they said, oh, it'd be really cool to have the first ever archer in the exceptional athletic program. And then 
they're just uh i think one of the things is like what do you aspire to do and stuff like that they want to know that you when you go into this program you're in it for the long haul and you're not just there because you play like you know ultimate frisbee on the weekends right. um so <laughs> they uh they asked me like what do you want to do and i said well I, i'm aspiring to become an olympian and um like i think i could really use this program to help me out and learn what i need to do to in order to become an olympian and um, they accepted me, which was really, really cool. Um, and I actually still talk to my high school, um, beep teacher up until this day, his name is Rob Packus. He's got his own fitness, uh, thing, um, on the side as well. But, um, they, it, this was actually another little stroke of luck that when I got into the program, um, you don't just go in and you just work out and everything. That's the easy thing to do, but understanding what the workouts are doing for you, what the nutrition is doing for you, what should you do just for your sport? What, mm. what do these other sports need to do? That's what, what, that was what that program had instilled in me. So I remember one time, one of our projects was to write up a, uh, a strength workout for a hockey player. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to now figure out what muscles do they need to use in order to be effective at hockey like what what do their cardio systems need to look like what do their endurance systems need to look like like what are their uh like are, do they need fast release protein or slow release protein that type of stuff right um and then eventually you could model it back into your own sport and that's when i started thinking okay what are our goals in archery well archery like one of the big goals is to take your bow shoulder and keep it down well what muscle actually keeps your bow shoulder down well that's actually this big muscle over here called the lat right so mm -hmm. Um, I went up to my coach, Joan, and I was like, Hey, Joan, did you know that the lats keep your shoulders down? And she's like, Oh, we've just been telling people to keep their shoulders down. And I was like, no, no, no. If we do, if we like literally, and I was like the, the kid who just discovered gold, right? And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, if you, if you go into the gym and you actually do lat pull down and you do it a bunch and you, and you're able to engage just the lats to pull your shoulder down. And I actually like, I told her, I think if, if you actually get onto the machine and you shrug your shoulders up, but when you're actually pulling down, you start by pulling your shoulders down first and yeah. then doing the lat pull down and then keep your shoulders down and then let the shoulders release back up. I think that that could actually strengthen your lats. And Joan was like, oh, I think you might be onto something. Okay, go, go do that. And we'll check back in a couple months and see how it is. And sure enough, like that's one of the things that I was like, oh my gosh, this is how I can take the knowledge of like good kinesiology and put it into archery just by knowing what do we what are our goals and what are the muscles that are needed in order to achieve that um so i think that's what another thing that helped me out in that in that respect um it's a rare so. uh it's a rare choice for a young person to really dive deep into yeah yeah i think i might have been just a an obsessed kid i think i was I, if there was youtube i probably would have been watching every single archery video right. out there um but it, like going through high school uh, again I, I didn't have the distractions of the phones luckily but um i did know that after school um it was like two or three nights a week i have archery practice with joan um and i knew that i didn't want to have to come home and have to do homework once i got home from practice so I was one of those kids who like at lunchtime, um, I was rarely hanging out with friends or if I was, I was doing homework while I was sitting there in the hallways with my friends having lunch, yeah. um, just doing homework. Um, and so I think that was a prioritization uh, skill that I learned in high school of like, what do I need to do after school? Well, I need to do X, Y, Z. But if I'm going to be doing that stuff, what do I need to do during the day in order for me to get to do that stuff after school? Um, and that's where I learned, uh, this thing called compartmentalization. Yep. Um, so my schoolwork, I tried to do it at school. And when I was at home, I did my home stuff. And when I was at the range, I did the range stuff and I try not to let everything weave into each other. Obviously some days it had to, because you just can't help it sometimes, but, um, having that, uh, ability to just be able to say, okay, I'm doing this at this time. And I have this time limit to get it finished in. I think that puts, that, that keeps the goal setting mindset in, in you. Um, I still use it to this day. Like um, when I'm marking papers now, um, I'm like, okay, I have to get through this class and I have this much time to do it in. Like how many questions per hour do I need to mark? So it's, yeah, it's kind of one of those things that just live with me afterwards. There's a, there is a carryover to the shot process, whichever shot process you shoot or form you have. But there's a carryover to that, the ability to compartmentalize a shot in some ways, in my opinion, mm -hmm. from yeah. a coaching standpoint. 
and being able to do that in the right moment, not yes. letting your emotions step in, but keeping yourself in that compartmentalized state of, mm -hmm. I need to focus on the task at hand and not let these other outside liars influence me. Yeah. So it's no, it's no surprise to hear that that was something that you learned early on unrelated to archery, but you know, you definitely have carried uh, a level of success that may attribute to your natural ability or learned uh, a lesson learned early on outside of archery that's mm -hmm. carried over to your, to, to your career. So that's, that's pretty cool. I, I knew you had a, a fitness, I want to say a background. Do you like have any degrees in kinesiology or anything, or is that just <laughs> something that you, you just dove into really deeply? I just dove into it real deep. Okay. Um, right. A lot of teachers think I have a phys ed teachable, like I could, that I can teach phys ed, but um, like for those of people who don't know me, I'm actually a high school teacher by, by day. Um, I teach math and physics, um, but uh, everybody thinks that I'm a phys ed teacher and I'm like, well, I actually don't have a qualification Man. to teach phys ed. So, I am so yeah. glad that Larry Wise is not on this this podcast with me this time <laughs> because he is a retired math teacher of like 32 years. Yeah. And like and Larry's Larry's like my mentor coach um, mm -hmm. from from mostly the compound side. But yeah. um and I joke all the time because he's he's very organized and like, well, what are we gonna do, Frank? We have to make a list. And we yeah. you know, like when we talk about a podcast or a seminar or a class or so yeah. you guys would be like two peas in a pod. Um, we would never <laughs> get anything done in this in an episode. Um, but anyways, so the fitness side, you you are you you still actively work out now? Yeah. Like you, uh, what what's like what kind of program is it? A, do you program yourself? What kind of stuff are you doing? Are you doing stuff specific to archery or just general overall health or? Um. So I, I do all the programming myself. I write my own workouts. We did have a strength and conditioning coach um, before Tokyo. Um, but uh, after that, uh, the Archery Canada started remodeling things and everything. And actually, I was uh, like, I basically, short, long story short, I just started writing my own stuff. Um, and that was just based off of the things that, like I said, I figured out in high school. What do I need to work on? What do I need to focus on? What is what is my, it sounds very Zen-like, but I don't, I don't know what sure. it is, but what is my body telling me I need to do? Like, am I feeling achy in my lower back? Am I supposed to work on a little bit more core this week or or whatnot? So um, like I will hit on um, certain things like consistently, but um, when I feel like, oh, hey, this, this part of my body is not actually feeling that great, let's a little bit more focus into this one um i i kind of do it on on a whim like that um i know it sounds a little bit strange but i i try to i do try to listen to my body um and uh i mean and, and accommodate for what it's telling me um cardio is definitely big in my world now um since covid hit and everything and lots of things got shut down my wife uh actually tried to learn how to run 5k and uh that's when she learned that she absolutely hates running uh <laughs> it sounds like my wife my wife yeah. says if i'm running you better be somebody else better because i hate running yeah yeah uh, so um and, and i i like i like going out and going on for like just a a good short 5k uh jog um just to like honestly at the end of the day after work and everything if you just get out there with your music and you're just like peaceful yeah. just going out for a jog it's it's so beautiful runner's it. high runner's high is a is a real thing it's a thing it's a real it's thing i've only experienced it a couple times but yeah. i i can well 5k isn't isn't typically long enough unless you run no. really really hard yeah like if you're you're you know you're pushing 22 23 or less on a 5k mm -hmm. time like it's hard to 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 get to that to that yeah, yeah. um yeah well that like i've done like I've done a 10 K before and I've done like seven or eight K and I've definitely felt it on those ones where it's like, yeah. how did I end up at 10 K? But okay, cool. Um, but uh, when, after my wife learned that she didn't like running, I was like, okay, let's try biking. And so we went out and got some road bikes and we just, we love it. Um, so we'll, we'll go and try to, uh, she wants to complete her first um, Imperial century. She's done a metric century where she's biked a hundred kilometers, but she wants to be able to bike a hundred miles. Oh, wow. uh, so that's 160 kilometers. It'll take a little bit more training to get up to that one, but she, she can do uh, 80 kilometers, no problem. Um, wow. But like once you start getting up into the triple digits, it starts to, uh, if you're not mentally prepared for it, and if you haven't fueled up, right, it starts to be a little bit more of a drag than, uh, than fun at that point. Yeah. But um, like, we've got some, 
rides that we have planned for the summer if we can make it happen but um like cardio is top of my list core is top of my list because yeah. when you're when you're doing this archery thing like um core is definitely key um I, I know that a lot of archers have started going this route but uh proprioception in your ankles and your lower body is really important as well um just having balance um not like work-life balance but like actual balance of how yeah. you're standing is uh is really really important if you're gonna balance be balls the yeah, yeah. Of balls stuff like that yeah yeah um so I, I i love getting to the gym and uh challenging my wife to just kneeling on a stability ball yeah. with no hands it's just knees and and uh, shins on the on the ball basically um and she got really good at it at one point which was which was really good but that shows a really good stability in the lower abs and in your hip flexors um just to be able to stabilize on all 360 degrees around uh, a stability ball uh, some people have taken it to the extreme. Um, I, I'm guilty of this one, but standing on a stability ball while doing an exercise like squats or uh, yeah. shooting a bow while standing on a stability ball, that's like, that's next level. Um, some people would argue that there's no real benefit of doing that one. I could see the pros and cons of no benefit and lots of benefit, but uh, yeah. the you have to think about the ability of the person who's getting up there like are they actually going to benefit from this or is this just a circus show at that point right so. yeah dick uh dick tone yeah. um, i'm sure you're familiar with dick oh I, yeah I, he's a good friend of mine um we i took his seminar some time ago at lancaster um you know and that was one of the things he talked about during his seminar he brought out the 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 balance balls and then the bosa ball and I did yeah. shoot on it and I shot shooting barebow and shot, shot well. It was good. I mean, but I'm also from, I have an athletic background, so I'm not just, yeah. you know, just, not just an archer guy, but, um, and I, I definitely think it works. If nothing else for the coaches out there that listen to this, for Joe ad teams, they're stupid inexpensive and the kids love shooting on them. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, go get yourself some balance balls and just get yeah. like you know, a dozen of them and you can have them all shoot at the same time. They, they will enjoy it. And it's good for them. It is. Yeah. I think there is definitely carryover though to the stability from the feet through the ankles specifically, because mm -hmm. you definitely use muscles in the feet when on the balance balls that you would not normally use. Yeah. And if you can learn to engage those kind of like the idea of, of, of the lats, lat pull downs mm -hmm. um, and learning to engage those muscles it will be easier to really truly get into your back and be properly stabilized properly at full draw yeah um, so i yeah. i think that's that's there's some really good stuff because there's not not in not enough archers really take fitness seriously in my in my opinion i i completely agree uh we used to actually have fitness testing on the canadian team Really? um to get uh funding to get onto certain teams there used to be fitness really? testing i know team germany still implements that they still have fitness to get onto their teams as as well as good shooting um, does can does canada have any stipends or assistance for actual uh athletes like at all so yeah yeah um so we have this program called carding uh, so if you're a carded athlete you basically are getting um tax-free money from the government for training it's not enough to live off of um sure. but it's a good enough amount that um you're not like if for on a training um uh like budget you can make all of that stuff work so nice. that's how like for for funding to get your card um if you were a potential carded athlete you had to complete certain fitness tests uh this was like uh oh my gosh four or five years ago they've since uh archery canada has since taken that away um but um they like we used to have um i i think everybody knows this one the beep test the shuttle run yeah, so yeah it's yeah so uh we used to actually for the men had to get at least level nine to get our funding wow yeah <laughs> um wow. so my uh joan my coach who used to run the high performance program um actually had implemented all of these things because um when they were trying to develop um, more higher level archers. Um, and I, I'm going to sound so big headed at this point, but I'm just telling the facts as it is. Um, she said, why is Crispin shooting better than like the next person? Yeah. I what, what is separating him from everybody else? And she said, well, he's fit and he does other sports. 
okay, so when, how can we start to do that and start to implement it? So we actually had this battery of tests um, that archers had to do. And um, the results were all based off of the results that I got on these tests. So there was like a plank hold. There was like a front plank hold, the side plank holds. Mm -hmm. um, there was the beep test or the shuttle run. There was a V-sit hold. There was this um, uh, dumbbell, like a, an elevated bench where you lay on your stomach and it's longer than an arm length. And we were pulling on a dumbbell. Yeah. Um, up and down, but we're doing it to a metronome set to 60 beats per minute. So on one tick, you pull up on the next tick, you let down and then the one tick you pull up. So it just showed like a rhythmic pulling of, of that. And if you could last past 30 at, uh, for the men, it was 50 pounds. And for the women, it was 40 pound dumbbells. Uh, if you could last past 30 reps, um, you were good. Um, like, yeah, there were so many tests. We had a grip strength test too. Um, and that was not, not for like holding onto the string or anything. That was just basically, it was kind of a coach's way of knowing how much you actually had gone to the gym because <laughs> when you're picking up That's and putting true. down dumbbells a lot, your grip strength actually goes up. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. um, yep. yeah, so that was just a, another one of the small tests, but the, the, so those tests have all since been disbanded, but, um, yeah, that was a, a thing. And I think that, uh, like I, I hate to sound preachy, but I think archers would be so much better if they were athletes. Um, and um, like, especially if you know the the type of conditions you're going to be in at a USAT, for example, like think about the last, when was the last time you went to a US Nationals or a USAT event and you were not on the field for the majority of the day, Yeah. right? And what what happens when you're at like, let's say Buckeye, in Ohio and we get that lightning that always hits yeah. right in the middle. Right. And now you got uh, to Jason who runs that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's right one though. of those things yeah. you have to be, you have to be fit in order to deal with that type of stuff. If you're not fit and you're constantly going up and shooting and then stopping and then maybe stopping for a little bit longer and then going up and shooting and everything that actually is uh, taking a little bit more of a hit on your body than if you were a little bit more fit. Um, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and be the next, like, like uh, American Ninja Warrior, right? You don't need to be that. You just need to be a little bit more. You need to realize that this is a sport. It's in the Olympics. So um, you just need to put a little bit more into it. And to be honest, once you get a little bit more fit, you feel better. And like you do better when you're when you're actually shooting. And if you're going to be doing better, you're going to want to do it more because you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. I'm shooting in the middle. I want to keep on practicing. And then that's going to just have this positive uh, effect on you and uh, just keep it snowballing. I think you're, I think there's something to be said for your confidence as a shooter and your mental game when you are fit. Um, like when you have, I've definitely shot my best archer when I was in the best shape of like, you know, there's, there's a confidence level that goes with knowing like you are, you're at the, the, it's so cliche at the peak of your, the best version of yourself at that mm -hmm. moment. Like that's, yeah. that's what you're at. I'm a yeah. big fan of barbells. I like to move barbells, snatch, clean and jerk, back squat, yeah. front squat. That's yeah. that's my bread and butter of fitness. Like I enjoy, I don't, I will run. I play basketball uh, three days a week, but I don't like, I'm not trying to run a 10K. I'm not gonna lie. I'm six foot three, 250 pounds. I'm a big dude. I don't want to yeah. do stuff. I'd rather, I literally would rather just lift bar, barbells and pull-ups yeah. and push-ups and stuff like that. But and also maybe a testament to you, you mentioned about grip strength before there is a relationship to archery when you are barbells, deadlift, back squat, whatever it is that you're doing, um, snatch, clean and jerk, pat, whether just powers or whatever, kettlebell swings, dumbbell work. When you have that grip strength, forearm strength, shoulders, that carries over to your ability to be stabilized at full draw, period. Mm -hmm. I think it's such, it's such a, it's a, it's a, it's not a, it's not a small detail. It's a big detail. And for some reason, so many archers just bypass it. And I don't know if it's a time thing. They think, well, I have to shoot, you know, a gabillion arrows a week to be good. Or I, you know, or maybe it's a matter of knowledge. How do I juggle a fitness regime and yeah. a practice, an archery practice regime? So maybe, Maybe that's the that's the next that's the segue for us. Like once again, where where does where do those two come together? And 
what does that look like for you? Because you are so fitness minded. Yeah. Where does that, where does that happen? Where do, where do those two intersect and, and how do you manage both of them? Um, so you have to be able to know um, like where you are in your season um, for what you're going to be doing in the gym. Um, but the more time you spend in the gym, the more normalized what you're doing in the gym becomes. Sure. So it's not going to be a special thing if you've done like, let's say, like this is this is the the hard one when you do an arms day and or an upper body day and you have shooting the next day that's that's always the big one for for archers and that's what a lot of people try to avoid because they know that their shooting the next day is probably not going to be the best because they've like torn and just worked all of the upper body muscles but right. the more you do it the more normalized becomes and the more used to it you're going to be able to be um so when you first start out with your workout regime, um, like I think anybody who's actually just starting from, from like zero yeah. from absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, if you just planked for five minutes before bed every night, you'll see actual results overall in about two weeks. Yeah. And I've had uh, in, in as short as two weeks, I'm not going to be guaranteeing buy two now and get one for you. But um, yeah. like, I've had people where I've said like, Hey, if you just plank, um, the muscles, like the stability core muscles that are going to be engaged there, um, are going to be working. Uh, you have legs, you, you have to have flexed quads in order to keep your legs straight. There's no doubt about it. You, you have to, so you're actually working your legs out at the same time, uh, depending on, sorry, such a good point. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a full body thing. Uh, you're where your shoulders are going to be like, are you going to be doing like, an extended plank are you going to be doing just like a, a normal plank where your elbow is like right underneath your shoulder are you up on your um in a push-up position type thing like it doesn't even matter because you're actually using shoulder stability muscles at that point right um and then suddenly if i say five minute plank everybody's going to be like oh my god that's so long but you do it for about a week or two and you're like oh five minutes i can actually plug that off in just one go and then just be brush my teeth and go to bed yeah. um but you don't even have to just stay on the front. You can actually rotate off to the side, but yep. that, that motion of rotating is actually like helping to train your, like your rotator cuff and keep it strong in under like an under load motion yep. of rotating from here to here and then other side and back. Right. So that's where you can start. You don't even have to get to the gym, but once you do get to the gym, if you start off with like two days a week, like once during the weekdays and once on the weekend, I think that's absolutely great. I mean, it's better than nothing. Um, yeah. And you don't have to be a pro at it. You just like, there's a whole, like every gym out there has the machines and the machines have instructions on them. So yeah. <laughs> if you, if you can true. just go up and you just like, yeah. just bite the bullet and get onto a machine of like the muscles that you want to work, right? It's going to show you how to do it. And yeah, chances are, if you're doing it wrong, somebody from the gym is going to come over, hopefully a staff member, not a creepy person who's, you know, not even sweating. <laughs> um, but if a gym member, a gym staff person comes over and says, hey, like, actually, you should probably be pushing it this way and have your elbows at this position or whatnot, right? Then then you've just learned something. Yeah. And th you can easily take that over into dumbbell work or barbell work once you start getting more advanced. There's um, there's tons of op opportunities to go on YouTube and find some oh, of yeah. like, there's just there's just so many options. I mean, I'm I definitely am a CrossFit style. Like I like that that world, and I know a bunch mm -hmm. of personalities within that world. But you don't have to do CrossFit. You can just do regular hit or Tabatas or whatever. Yeah. yeah, there's there's so many workout options. Just like YouTube, you know, even if it was a, a half of a Tabata, if you're like somebody that's new and you need a scaled something simple, like you easily could have a body weight. Four eight four exercises only eight rounds each of twenty seconds of yep. work with ten second rest. You can do that just to start, and it can be yeah. something as simple as jumping jacks or jump rope or air squats or planks and sit ups or whatever. Like you can just do something so simple just to get started, and it's gonna mm -hmm. it's gonna carry over to your to your archery. It's gonna carry over to your life in period. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm so, I'm so glad that that's been such a. Um, important aspect to your career and that you're you know your willingness to put it out there and talk about it mm -hmm. um but with that being said let's talk about your archer training because what does that look like for you let's let's say leading up to like a major tournament or mm -hmm. your olympic trials or the olympics in general 
what does that look like for you in, in regards to volume days? What do you, what kind of things are you doing to prepare and, and get yourself to where you need to be? Um, so, uh, like before the last Olympics, we actually had my program down to a really good, like, um, periodization where, um, I would start peaking volume at a certain amount of time, um, uh, weeks out before a major. And then I would start to bring the volume back down, but then start to score a lot more. So, um, we had this graph of like, uh, volume and, and, um, intensity. So intensity is scoring and match prep and 720 prep and everything. And volume is clearly just volume. But when it was like this, you had high volume and low intensity, but most of the time they would actually just do this. So when intensity goes up, the volume goes down and then it would just do this. And some days we would actually bring both of them a little bit higher, but maybe both of them a little bit lower at the same time. Um, so everybody's going to be a little bit different. Um, my program had me starting to raise volume at about four weeks out. Yep. Um, and uh, that's when we really saw some good um, results. Um, you could also push yourself and find out, like, I, I can't say for everybody that this plan is going to work, but you can figure out what will work for you. Um, so um, one thing that we did was just stressed me out for as long as I possibly could handle it and find out how long I lasted. Um, and so we, we discovered that me under um, like scoring stress at every single, like every single practice and scoring stress would be like scoring, but with like uh, either a penalty or a reward or something on it or, um, or something like that. Um, my, my general um, uh, ability to last was about six weeks um, under intense, like mental load. Um, there was, I remember there's one, one exercise that we did and it's not for everybody. Um, but we were shooting, I, I went to practice and my sports psych had told me that, um, if I shoot any ends underneath 55 at 70 meters, I go home. Hmm. It could be the first end. Well, actually, no, he said like two ends to get sighted and everything. But then after that, um, any ends under 55 out of 60, I oh. go, I pack up and I leave. Right. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, that is so stressful because yeah. the range that I was going to was about a 45 to an hour drive away. Oh, um, God. So, <laughs> so oh. Um, that was a, that was a rough one because I think I lasted um, eight ends. Wow. And you have no idea how stressful that is when it's, you're already like four weeks deep into this stressing, um, stressing exercise, but everybody will have their own stress that they can tolerate and everything so yeah. figure out what your stress levels are and then be, make sure that you can keep yourself within that time frame for when you go to a major event um, you should also be wary of what your um, physical exercise is looking like so you don't want to stress your body out too much before a competition as well so that's another a, a tapering thing that we actually call yeah. it now so um, you can be doing your usual, like everyday normal exercises and everything, but then about a week out from competition, you can start to bring everything down just a level, just a bit. You don't have to go down to zero, but you can maybe instead of doing, um, 16 reps of an exercise, now you're only doing about eight to 12 of the same weight that you do at 16, but eight to 12, right? Yeah. So that's just a taper. That's letting your muscles like just, um, not get too tired before going away for competition. Um, and so that's, I think, a, an important thing that uh, you should definitely consider when your um, physical training is intertwined with your archery career as well. And uh, a lot of other archers out there, like team, like like I said, Team Germany has a big fitness component, Team Netherlands, uh, they're probably gonna be doing the same thing. They're, they're still working out, but they're not working out as intensely as uh, every day. Yeah, uh, I, I'm glad you brought up periodization. I've I've spoken about that many times on the Barebow Project specifically, but um, and it's something I learned in actually Olympic weightlifting. That's where I learned periodization and, and understanding what it was because there's no way that I would be able to, um, for example, I'm not going to snatch a, a one rep max every single day at the gym. I'm not going to yeah. do it, and it's essentially the same as shooting for score every single day. And there's a consequence to it. Yeah. Like that's essentially what, what that would be. You can't do that. The, the, there's, there's no way that physically and mentally your body can handle that completely. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, I learned the aspect of periodization through well, my body. I'm kicking the crap out of my body. Why is it that I can snatch 
uh, 100 kilos when I'm at my best. But, you know, just because I did it in the beginning, why can't I do it all the time? It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially when you're lifting heavy, 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 heavy. But um, and with that being said, something I've noticed programming for shooters is on the periodization side, I've noticed, and then you maybe you can relate, maybe you can't. In the beginning, it's good. High volume, everything's great. Week four, counting backwards. Week three sucks. Scores yeah. go down. You feel like poop. Um, you're you're beat down. And then the start of week two, so this is two weeks out from your competition, you start to feel really good. Mm-hmm. And then like scores start climbing back up. You feel like you want to shoot more. You almost have to hold yourself back. And then week one, you're raring to go. You're yeah. like, everything's flowing. Everything feels good. You want to shoot more, but you almost have. Now, not everybody like Demer, my my buddy Demer, that guy just shoots volume. And he shoots. Yeah shoots and shoots and shoots and shoots he also runs a business so he shoots when he can shoot and then he doesn't when he doesn't and he's just got to get it all in but i've yeah. also watched that guy like before the the last lancaster classic like i watched like he'll just shoot arrow leave qualifications go to the practice range shoot 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 uh-huh. shoot, shoot 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 but he's yeah. also like listen either i got it or i don't but i'm gonna keep shooting and keep trying you know what i mean uh-huh. but yeah um no, that's, that's, that's great stuff. It's, it's so, I think there's so much more that we could probably unpack about like within your training and, and stuff like that. But I mean, we've, we've covered a lot and we're losing some light. I could see in the back. I can, I can actually turn a light on. So I can give me one second. I'll turn go it ahead, on. Go ahead. You pop yeah. it on quick. Hey, look at that. <laughs> You're you're on a roll, so I didn't want to stop and and it's anything I can. All right, that's all. I can that's edit all what I need to. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. um, but no, it's it's good to hear that, you know, someone like yourself, like you, that. This is all in your conscious mind. This is stuff that you're thinking about. You're preparing for, and and you know, you're gonna find now that you're wearing a coaching hat. This is where this this has been one of my biggest struggles. I from shooting barebow and being a, a pretty decent level barebow competitor. And then I dove into coaching really hard, mm-hmm. multiple athletes running my own training center, running my own program, doing the podcast, the compartmentalization of coaching and shooting, everything comes together and yeah. it's very difficult to separate those things. That was probably, that's been one of my biggest drawbacks to my shooting career is coaching. I don't know how people that do both at a high level, mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it. I, I'm not going to lie. It is so difficult to do. Yeah. So save the, save, save the extreme amounts of coaching until you're done competing, <laughs> which is why I have one. <laughs> um, I, I have, I have one that I work, I'm working with now remotely there's a handful that I I'm sort of on hiatus from coaching at all because I, again, I have, I'm on a medical leave per se yeah, um, yeah. from anything, anything archer related. And I don't know. I don't know if I want to, I, I will tell you, I'm getting back into, I want to shoot. I want to enjoy competing again. And yeah. while coaching, I did not enjoy it because my mind was always someplace else worrying about what are they doing? What should they be doing? Yeah. What aren't they yeah. doing? You know, um, and stuff like that. But, I, I do. I'm not going to lie. I, I would like to get into, and I think we we will, if you're cool with it, we'll do a part two. I really want to get into your shot process and your form because I, I love the fact, and it's something that I relate to the, the notion of like, make your form, your form and do it, yeah. do it with a purpose and make it yours and do it right. Um, and there's aspects of your form. I've seen multiple videos of you shooting. I've watched you shoot the <laughs> classic many times unknowingly. Don't worry. I'm not a stalker. I promise. That's okay. <laughs> um, but there's things that you do that I find, um, what's the word? There's characteristics of your shot that I advocate for on, as a coach, and mm-hmm. I want to know why you do them. And the like, the deep hook and all that stuff is is part of it. But that again, I think that's going to be a separate episode. We're going to talk about shot process <laughs> and form for Olympic recurve, what you do and how you do it. How's that sound? That I think that sounds great. I, like I, I'm like. 
there's no secrets to archery no, i like not. i hate to break it to everybody out there there's no this like magic golden ticket that once you get handed to it like handed it you're gonna be like this amazing shooter it doesn't happen overnight you gotta do it but you gotta figure out what all the good guys out there are doing and if you talk to the guys who are um like for example like me who has their own shot i've made my own shot from 23 years of just doing what i felt was right and what i knew worked for me um people can probably figure out and say oh hey oh my god that part of your shot is actually something that um that i can use um we actually had an aha moment with me and my my student um just uh yesterday or the day before either way um i was like hey try this and it's like completely something opposite to what a lot of people think but she was like oh my gosh that feels way better and i was like yeah. okay cool it's completely opposite to what everybody else is doing but it i know it feels good and i know it's relaxed so let's keep on doing it and then she shot a pb so <laughs> uh yeah can't argue I mean, with stats man yeah you can't argue with stats if the stats show that it works and it, it, it you know especially repeatedly works yes you yes. can't argue that point i don't care whose system you shoot i don't care what you're you know you can't argue with cold hard scores and scores yeah. that work and especially work when it matters the most yes that's absolutely. what i tried to to rem that's sort of like my my approach to coaching and teaching shot process and form i'm a usa archie level four mts coach i'm not gonna lie uh, from barebo side i utilize terms of the mts i don't really teach the mts because the one thing that i have found that NTS is great for kids from 13 to like their late 20s and, and adults into their 20s. Mm -hmm. it, it works in that in that time frame. But you take like a I don't know, I got a lot of 30, 40, 50 year old barebow shooters that don't have the mobility <laughs> yeah. to be able to implement all of those different aspects. And I also think the barebow shot without a clicker requires a little bit of a different approach. Um yeah. so you know, but anyways. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. We've we've gone long enough. Yeah, Crispin, where can people follow you, find you? Who are the people that have helped you get to where you're at? Um, and let's finish with that. Okay. Um, well, uh, the most active thing that I've got going for right, right now is my Instagram account. It's just Crispin underscore Duenas. So uh, you can find me on Insta there. Um, there's, uh, I, I actually have a Facebook athlete profile as well um i haven't posted much there just because instagram just took over and i was able to post more stuff there but i, I should get better at that one but if you can search up crispin join us athlete you'll find me on facebook as well but i know it's only according to my high school kids um only old people have facebook now so um uh yeah so the instagram thing is the uh and you have no idea how much clout i get with my kids once they figure out that there's a blue check mark beside my name on instagram it's Ooh, hilarious yeah <laughs> you're verified um, yeah, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the the main one that you can follow me on is uh, the Instagram. Um, my my sponsors, oh my gosh, there's so many so many companies that have helped me out throughout the years, and I appreciate every single one of them. Um, I try not to burn any bridges. I don't think I've burned any bridges at all. Um, I, uh, my love to all of them. Um, Hoyt and Easton have been with me since 2005. Um, Excel and uh, Trueball Excel um is my sites uh stabilizers right now is conquest uh biter oh my gosh those guys at biter make an amazing product i i tell people that's the bmw of archery uh because it's the german stuff but uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um bcy fibers are my strings that i use um shibuya arrow rest shibuya bow stand angel quiver um i am part of the og crowd who still uses spin wings so range oh, yeah. um so i've just found that they give me the best results uh from any fletching that i've tested so far um speaking of og the aae elite finger tab that is yes. uh the original dictone design yeah. yeah um i've tried other finger tabs and i always keep coming back to my my favorite um which is the aae elite tab oh my gosh what else um when I shot Olympic, I, I have to rephrase that. When I shot Olympic, that's what I shot. I shoot a Yost tab now for Barebow, but okay, yeah. But well, to each their own. Yeah, I just like, well, yeah. I, I I kind of misspoke. I was like, yeah, yeah. When I shot Olympic recurve. I shot the A gold the last time, but I shot okay, yeah, the original Cavalier tab is what I I yes. used when I started 
decades ago at this point. Yeah. Showing my Cavalier. age. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Jaeger Grip. Can't forget yeah. about Jaeger Paul Grip. Jaeger. Paul, yeah. Paul Jaeger. He's a good friend, a good buddy. Um, and uh, he makes an amazing product that, uh, I, in my opinion, I love the fact that it's so repeatable. Um, and you don't need to use um, a consumable uh, tennis wrap on it. You yeah. you can still use that if you so choose to do so. But he's a very understanding and willing person to work with you in whatever you like colors you need or small little tweaks or whatnot. He's uh, he's an amazing guy. Um, I I think that's about it. Uh, these <laughs> custom made wraps <laughs> for arrow wraps on my on my arrows. Like I've uh, yeah. So so. There's, I mean, again, I, no, I can't, I can't say enough appreciation to all of those people who have helped me out. Well, listen, this is an opportunity for you. To, and if you missed any, let me know. I'll, I'll add it in the show, <laughs> but it's a good opportunity for you to show that appreciation. So people learn who are the ones that are supporting um, people like yourself. So you can continue mm -hmm. to be competitive and it is yeah. important. Uh, free gear is free gear. I don't care what anybody says. That's oh, Lancaster. Lancaster oh, Archery. Archery. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Rob, he is the man. So, I mean, uh, Lancaster that makes a world of difference. That's yeah. thousands of dollars <laughs> that you save so that you can go compete and represent that company. It's a big mm -hmm. deal. It's a big yeah. deal. Not just free yeah. stuff, people. Mm -hmm. it's, it's literally allowing you to do more tournaments or more travel or whatever. Yeah. But all right, man. Thank you so much for taking your time out. It's Memorial Day weekend, so I know oh, yeah. you know it's 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 kind of tough to get away, but I appreciate your dedication to the sport, the willingness to talk about it. Um, and it sounds like we're gonna have to plan a, a part two. I'm right. looking forward to a part two. I think that'd be a great idea. All right, man. <laughs> Perfect. Um,